The podcast Under the Stairs will feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners will find offensive. Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 26 of the podcast Under the Stairs. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and I'm joined by uh, two of my my very dear friends in the podcast community. Um, Of course one of them you will all know. He is our star of Baz V Horror. He's back to do Baz V Horror 8 where he will take on uh, the challenge of the found footage film August Underground. I'm, of course, talking about the man, the myth, the legend, the Baz. Hola, sexy, bodacious bitches. Oh, bodacious Bod- bitches. Uh, what, why did you choose bodacious bitches as a word? Bodacious seems like an interesting word, Baz. That's, uh, that's a little clue to who will be accompanying us in this podcast, Duncan. Oh, dropping clues. A little uh, cryptic one. A little cryptic clue there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing tip top, mate. Absolutely tip top. How's yourself? I am doing fantastic. I went out just before recording and treated myself to Starbucks because I wanted something positive to come out of this day. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that's not an indicator, or possibly is an indicator of what I'm going to be saying later on about the film we selected. Or oh, sorry, a, it's basically a total giveaway, mate. Total giveaway. The film that you selected, Baz. So this is on your head. Yes, unfortunately, it is. Um, I do have to take part of the blame for that, but we'll talk about that later on. <laughs> of course you of course you do. In fact, part of the blame, all of the blame. Um, so our second guest, you've given a clue already. If you didn't know, uh, it was last on this show back during the Halloween special. Um, it is, of course, the... Well, this podcast that he's on um, was my very first horror podcast I listened to. So they are responsible for every good and bad thing that has ever happened on this show. As of course, one half of the Bodacious Horror Podcast, it's Gil Rockatansky. How are you doing, Gil? Oh, you're so gushing. I do. I'm I'm so flattered, darling. The way you think about us, it just makes me think that what we did all those years ago was right, no matter how many people condemned it and how many times we had to go to jail. How many? People, no matter how many people died because of yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> and that terrible war in Darfur that was caused by it as well—that was fucking shocking. That, that was more Roscoe than me. That was. That sounds, that sounds like it's got it's got Roscoe's hands all over it. To be honest with you, uh, how you doing, Gil? I'm I'm pretty good. This is a a very nice sunny Glasgow day. It's it's very grey. <laughs> it's a taps off kind of day in the Glasgow parlance. I've I've got everything off at the moment anyway. Nice. Oh, nice. oh that's how we like to Graphic. roll. Graphic. <laughs> so, of course, at the beginning of the show, we always like to ask everyone what they've been watching in the world of horror. We'll start off with a buzz. What you been watching, Buzz? Oh, Duncan, man. Honestly, it's been quite the couple of weeks, my friend. Um, I have, Ooh. I have actually, for once, I've actually been watching quite a bit of horror, um, but uh, it's just, I've just been fucking uh, crazy busy with all sorts of stuff. I've, uh, I've been ramping up my gym uh, routine, 
So uh, no. to be quite, oh, to be quite honest, man, my body is fucking smoking hot at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really is. It really is. Uh, another big news: I have, uh, I have bought myself a guitar. I read that. Yep, yep. I bought myself thought, a guitar. I thought, um, uh... I thought we'd. Uh, I thought you'd made an informal agreement never to learn a musical instrument again. Oh, well, after the disa- the disaster that was my five years learning the chanter, I did make that vow many years ago <laughs> uh, to the man who tried to teach me the chanter. Uh, but <laughs> but fuck him, he's dead now. Um, but no, I've decided the, the world of rock and roll needs the bass, uh, so I've bought my guitar. And actually, I was round at my pal Gay Hair's house last night and he gave me his first lesson. So, uh, my oh. first lesson. So here's a wee fucking exclusive for you. Hold on. That's a wee G. Oh. That's a wee G oh. chord. Embrace yourselves. E minor! That's right. <laughs> Well, give us go. a name, mate. Give us a name. Uh, right, hold on. I do know this one. Give me two fucking <laughs> seconds. It is right there. You're loving that shit, Gil? I, I am actually very impressed because, <laughs> you know, that's an acoustic guitar. It is. It's harder to press the strings down than a lot of acoustic guitars. Oh, mate, it hurts like fuck. Honestly, yeah. and it it sounds to me like you're you're actually mostly getting all six strings sound in there. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, uh, my left hand plays guitar. Well done. If that's my, like your uh, first lesson, it was. It was. My left hand is in complete tiles. It's just a good job I wanked with my right. To be quite honest, I'd have been serious oh. in trouble. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so that was that. So that's been my musical. Uh, activities of late as this is a horror podcast maybe i should probably start talking about horrors um i was gonna say that could have been you could have, you could have maybe saved that for the rock and reels podcast <laughs> we're going to talk about music but i'm glad you brought it here i mean we don't often get like a in fact remember these moments just now in the podcast listeners where we're all happy and playing happy sending chords apart from the minor one there um i, I just remember these when we going to talk about the film we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So, yeah, Baz, what have you been watching? Tell um, me. Well, in a departure from the norm, most of my horror viewing uh, in the past few weeks has actually been of the film variety. Um, I tend normally to watch more horror in terms of TV shows, but um, mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks I've been watching a few films. I've had a bit of time to myself. The wife's been out and about doing things. Um, so last weekend I actually watched a couple... Maybe not strictly horror films, but they could probably be classed as horror comedies. Um, uh-huh. The first one of them was This Is The End, which is oh, the yeah. one with Seth Rogen and fucking Danny McBride and, and all sorts of wee kind of hipster fucking comedian guys that are kind of popular just now. But it's set yes. against the backdrop of an apocalypse kind of thing. So I watched uh-huh. that. It was all right. Wasn't it the funniest film in the world? I, I saw it getting quite a lot of slating on the internet. I didn't think it was that bad. It kind of gave you what you were expecting. It was just those guys doing what they do in every fucking film, to be honest. So if you liked uh-huh. their films, you'd have found it funny. I had a nice week in a horror twang to it and a kind of vaguely sacrilegious end of the world biblical thing going on as well, which was quite amusing. Mm-hmm. So that was that. Um, I followed that up the next night with a very similar film, although I didn't realise it when I started watching it, which was uh, World's End. Oh, yeah, which yeah. Which is Good the... Job. Yeah, it's the third of the kind of... This trilogy that... Uh, Cornetto trilogy. Yes, yeah, the Cornetto trilogy. Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. Uh, the third of them. So I'd seen the first two 
uh, and quite enjoyed those films. I I hadn't actually I didn't know much about this film, and I didn't realise that it had this kind of apocalyptic horror sci-fi slash slant to it. Uh-huh. I've got to say, I th- didn't really dig it that much. I was quite enjoying it up until the bit when the kind of end of the world horror bit starts, and that kind of uh-huh. just left me a wee bit kind of meh. Yeah, didn't really dig the robot kind of thing that was going on, but it was all right. There was funny bits in it. I did like the fact that the um, the lead character Simon Pegg's character was dressed as an eighties goth, complete with Sisters of Mercy t-shirt. That was fucking bitch. <laughs> I actually showed the film to a, a friend of mine, Jamie, who is uh-huh. like a an eighties goth, but uh, he didn't have a Sisters of Mercy t-shirt and. When we were watching the film, we kept going. I used to have that Sisters of Mercy T-shirt, <laughs> that exact one. And whilst we were watching the film, I looked it up on eBay and bought it for his birthday. Oh, what a some guy. guy! What a guy! It was well, pretty. It was pretty handy because I had no idea what to get him for his birthday. That was like in ten days' time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> panic averted. Yeah, I was actually just really lazy, wasn't I? See if no, you know, I used to have that lamp. Where can I buy the lamp from the world's end? Uh, oh man. Anywho, so that's the world's end, so I watched that. Um <laughs> and the third one which I watched last night, now that this is more this is a, a proper horror film. Uh, last night I was out after my guitar lesson, I came home and the wife was away with her pals. So I thought, Do you know what? I'm doing the teapots tomorrow. I'm going to watch a horror movie, and I watched The Conjuring. Oh, right, yeah. right, oh, yeah, yeah. I think that this this could be quite interesting because um, myself and Gil have slightly different opinions on this. All right, not not like dramatically different opinions on it, but slightly different opinions right. on it. So I found so it. Which I found one it. Was it? <laughs> What's that? Sorry. Which one was it again? I've seen the it, Conjuring, but it's just uh, it has escaped me. <laughs> you being sarcastic? I'm honestly not being sarcastic. Right, the, the Conjuring. So, we watch so many one, films. It's the Warrens. The Warrens investigate the house. Oh yeah, that oh fucking god. <laughs> well, uh, I found it pant-shittingly terrifying, to be honest. I, Did you? Oh fuck! I I absolutely bricked it. That in fact, at points when I was watching it, I found that I was fucking about on my phone just to try and distract myself from it and <laughs> ground myself back in reality a wee bit. I it properly scared the bejesus out of me. And I, it's interesting. You always say that my Achilles heel is the kind of found footage thing. Um, yeah. I I think these kind of possession slash haunted house things are going to make a mess of me oh. because there was my total disaster when I tried to watch Paranormal Activity. And actually, last <laughs> night. About half an hour into the conjure, and I was thinking I might be stopping because I was in on my own, and my wife wasn't coming home last night. She was staying at a friend's, uh, but I powered through for you, big man. Um, but no, it scared the shit out of me, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, I, well, I want to see Baz watching Wreck. Like, I've, I've seen Wreck. Wreck was the first He's... Baz v horror. Wreck oh, was, was the one. Yeah. Rick was infamously the one, the first one that made Baz actually stop in the middle of the film and yeah. scream out the word shit. Um, when he knew that the he knew the creature was going to be behind when the, when the camera turned around, he knew it was going to happen. But then it happened and scared the shit out of him. Yeah. Which uh, <laughs> which just makes me happy because I love that film so much. There was a, um, a, 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 but I wasn't watching watch it. 
know, oh, you want to watch? I, I want to actually watch him watch it. <laughs> there was a, just... there was an involuntary fuck me last night during the conjuring. <laughs> um, the bit where the the spirit claps behind her. Oh yeah, she's I, looking I, I, down I think... into the cellar. Yeah. That fucking yeah. scared the shit out of me. I, I was that expecting as... a musical to start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clap. Oh. No. Oh yeah. Clap, clap, <laughs> clap, 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 clap. I I didn't know they had like a one of those uh, those American clapper lights in the in the basement. <laughs> clap on, clap off. <laughs> but I thought um, I I didn't mind it overall. I I thought it was all right for what it was. To be honest with you, I thought about in the middle of the film it kind of shits itself a wee bit. Um, and kind of moves away from. I, I thought the, the the beginning of the film was quite an interesting premise. Um, and they built up not bad, but then there was a point in the middle where it basically became. It tried to basically do what I think Insidious did better, even though I'm not a big fan of Insidious. Um, and towards the end, I was just like, ah, oh, it's kind of ah, oh, it's alright. It was an alright film. It made I think it made my I think it made number ten on my top ten horror films for last year. But I didn't think it was. You should it was have great. I'm glad that you. Horror films. I should have watched. <laughs> it was. I, I think. I think the thing is, I did watch more than. More than. I did more watch more than. than <laughs> but I did watch more than ten horror films last year. Uh, like that came out last year. I thought there was enough things in the conjure. Like I loved the way it was shot. I loved the fact that. I love the fact that it did so well at the cinema because, like it or, or loathe it, films like films like that that do quite well in the cinema just mean that more movie companies will invest. Yeah, they'll, they'll make more horror films. Which and if they make another ten horror films and one of those ten horror films is good, I'm down with that because they might not have been made if it had bombed. And obviously this year's, yes, this year's film uh, which they're releasing in the same time slot as that. What the fuck is it? And I posted it on the page. Um, oh man, and this makes great podcasting things, and I'll have to edit. <laughs> uh, deliver, <laughs> deliver us from evil. Um, was brought forward a year and it's going to be released in the time slot that uh, the Conjuring had last year, um, and they, you know, that that's because they now think that there's a good chance that you know it can it can have the same sort of momentum that the Conjuring had. I didn't. I just thought there was a there's a a distinct bit in the film, especially when we start moving more forward with the kind of warnings and stuff like that. That I just kind of got a wee bit sniffy at. And things like the Annabelle doll and things like that. I, I I've spoken about that before. I just don't. I, you know what? When that come up, and I love that. I love how they were talking about how terrifying the Annabelle doll was. And I've said. I, well, that's what I said. I said on a, a, another podcast when they were talking about what I thought about the Annabelle doll. I said all it did was chap doors and write letters. How is that terrifying? See, <laughs> see, see, I tell you what struck me about the, what, what struck me about the Annabelle doll is. Who the fuck would make a doll that looked like that? Do you know well, what I mean? Well, it doesn't look like that in real life. In real life, it doesn't look like... In real life, it looks even plainer. It uh, looks like yeah. a Raggedy Ann doll. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, that was... It. I, I know, Gil, you had a particular point of view on the Conjuring. What did you think about it again? Now that I've reminded you what it is. Uh, I, I just really disliked the way the it took that twist right in the middle. Yeah. Basically, where... They'd started to make a kind of interesting appearing film where, you know, I I suppose I kind of wanted it to get to a point where you would hate the Warrens. 
Yes. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that never happens. It then just goes into jump scares and just so much crap. And I remember when I watched that, I actually watched like documentaries with the the now grown up kids that were in that house. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like the the kids from Amityville. You know, mm-hmm. they are just completely unreliable witnesses. One of them's bringing out, like, th- three books about the incident. And... Is, is this off the back of the film, Gil? Uh, no, some of the the stuff that these people did were before the films had come out. Because oh, right, right. the, the thing is that there's this kind of cult of the Warrens. Right. You know, the Warrens are, are very, very well known for what they do. Uh-huh. So, big high-profile cases that they're involved in, people kind of get interested in from either the trying to prove it or debunk it type thing. So, anybody that the Warrens have been involved with are, you know, they're able to make some money because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're involved. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I, I think the Warrens are just a pair of fucking idiots. Yeah. <laughs> Despise them. The- I mean, like you look at the Amityville thing, and the the pig eyes, the glowing eyes outside the window. That that was a cat that lived across the yeah, road. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I remember hearing because you 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 guys uh, over at Bodacious did a, a a very very interesting, and you made sure there was plenty of disclaimers of the word allegedly um, yeah. in there because the the folk involved with that case are quite so happy. Um, look, quite look like litigious. A, they are very, very yeah. litigious. At one point, so we'll just... at one point, Danny, I, I think it was uh, Danny, the son, was suing the father over the Amityville case and stuff like that. Just ridiculous. And it's yeah. it's a shame that the kids have become so damaged by these things. And I think that that's whenever it comes down to the Warrens, I don't look at something where I think. Is this real? Is did this all happen to this family? You know, that's we would all like to believe that there are ghosts and goblins and everything. It would make the world a wee bit more interesting. But what we end yeah. up seeing in films like this is actually just a story of a bunch of kids that have become psychologically damaged and are now adults who the only thing that they've got going for them in their life is the fact they were involved in a psychologically damaging incident. And yeah. it's it's just not yeah. it's not right, and we sh- we shouldn't have films made about shit like that because it's so patently all bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I did. I, th- I mean, going going back to the the film, there are, there are a couple of like you were talking about jump scares. I thought there was a couple of effective jump scares, and there. I mean, there was one that that sequence with the clapping hands would have been so effective in the cinema if they hadn't used it in the ad campaign. Yeah. Um, and I'd seen it about 20 times in the cinema before I saw it in the, the actual picture itself and when I saw it I was just like oh right because if I'd seen that the first time I would have freaked out what bit are you talking I, about I, Duncan? The, the bit that you were talking about the clapping hands oh aha uh-huh, yeah that that sequence was actually the, the original ad campaign for The Conjuring was just that clip 
It was actually just that clip. Yep. Um, and they'd been shown it for maybe about six, seven months before the film landed in the cinema. Yeah. So you were getting to see that whole sequence. And I think it's probably one of the most effective scare sequences in the film because it's just... I mean, they've been playing the game, everything's gone wrong, you know what the game is, it's a bit creepy, some things have happened with and the fact that she ends up in that basement and you get that clap thing and then everything goes black, I thought that was brilliant, but like I say, I'd seen it several times before the cinema, Um, and obviously they did that to pull people in, which it did, but at the same time though, at the cost of what was one of the better scares in the film. But I mean, it it was the big heavy hitter last year, I think it was the highest grossing horror film of 2013, um, I believe, I, I may be bullshitting when I say that now, um, it did it did, incre- it did incredibly well, and it did incredibly well at a time of year where horror films don't do well, you know, no one releases a horror film um, in late July, early August time, because that's not what people want to go and see, they want to go and see summer blockbusters, and it did incredibly well, so... That's, 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 that's not true though, I mean, it, it's... It's actually just more of a cynical thing that horror films aren't released at that that time of year because it it does all revolve around how many screens do you have in a cinema and Mm -hmm. how how old are the people that are going to be coming to your cinema that week going to be. So during the, the summer when there's films that are aimed at kids, that's when they all come out. Yes. And at times of year when kids are busy at school, like exam time and stuff like that, that's when you put on the films that are just for the adults. Yes, it's, yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh, it's a bit sad that people are now going, one horror film did well at a time of year when we really, really pushed it. Because <laughs> it, yeah. it wasn't the time of year that did well for that film. It was the expense in the ad campaign. Yes, it was. A, it was. It was a very well maintained and managed ad campaign. Yeah, which started months and months beforehand. You know, I mean, they'd been they'd been setting that up for for a, quite a while before. And like we were saying, clever short ads that were coming on in the cinema, and then they were building up on them. There was good teaser trailers, and you know, the ultimately the end trailer. You know, that built up. A, there was a lot of momentum going into that movie that people actually wanted to go and see it. Um, it wasn't a case of that was the only film that was out that week. Yeah. Uh, it's like you were saying, and it is, it, I think it, it's exactly what you say. It's the same reason why a lot of horror films, which are guaranteed not to particularly do well, I'm looking at you, Devil's Due, um, <laughs> and Paranormal, Paranormal, the marked ones, are released right at the start of the year in January because, you know, there's not a lot of competition and people will go and check them out. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, if you go to the cinema, if you're a cinephile, you'll go and check. And um, yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying. Uh, but I'm glad though that Baz checked out. Um, Baz, I, I, ultimately, what I want is see when horror films come out, because I'm I'm so jaded with these things now that it takes a lot to really kind of provoke a jump scare add on and or a scare from me. That when other people tell me they go and see a film, even if I think it's not necessarily scary, and they say that they get like they genuinely feel scared watching it. I envy the shit out of them, so yeah, I envy that's you, what Baz. I was, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I go there, um, it definitely seems like it's one of those films, it would work very well for people like me that aren't into horror. Um, but as you say, 
whether it's she's desensitised or a bit jaded to things like that, folk like yourselves and Gil that watch a lot of horror probably won't uh-huh. get out of what I got out of. I mean, I found it a genuinely scary experience. I, I wasn't aware of the background to these Warren people and all this as well, though. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. it is that kind of maybe that kind of popcorn horror film um, that works very yeah. well for people like me. Um, and I can see people that do enjoy a wee fright getting that out of it. But for maybe yeah, for yeah. the more serious kind of horror enthusiasts... It's maybe a bit too shiny, kind of thing, you know. Well, you're gonna get you're gonna get plenty more about the Warrens because the Conjuring's got a sequel coming out, and there's a spin-off of the Annabelle doll coming up. So, ah, okay. um, so plenty plenty to feast on. What yeah. about yourself, Gil? What you what what you been watching? Uh, I actually recently saw the the new Jim Jarmusch film, Only Lovers Left Alive. All right, how was that? I've heard I've heard really good things about that. I've really enjoyed it. I I thought it was a a very just, just really enjoyable film. You just sit there watching it. And you you don't. It's it's not a fast paced film. It's very kind of slow, and you've got John Hurt in it and Tilda Swinton mm-hmm. and Tom Hiddleston, or is it Hiddleton? Yeah. Is it Hiddleton or Hiddleston? Christ, Hiddleston, Loki. I thought. Aye, Loki's in it. (laughs) (laughs) And it is just about a a small group of vampires who are friends. Yeah. And they they don't go out, like, killing people at night. They've got people that supply them blood. So it's it's kind of, it's about their social lives. How, yeah. how when one of them's quite upset, other ones will go and make sure they're feeling better. <laughs> there's loads more to it than that, but I just don't want to yeah, yeah. like spoil what a really enjoyable film to watch is. Are you, are you been catching anything else? Orphan Black. It's a, right, I'm not familiar with that one. It's a TV series. It's now into its second series, and it is about clones... Uh-huh. And it's it's actually really good. It's uh, there's all these different clones. The one of them who is a bit of a she's a bit of a Cockney misfit living in America. Right. Well, I think she's she's meant to be from Brixton, <laughs> and she's now lived. She's been brought up in America with her uh, foster brother and her foster mum and everything. And then mm-hmm. sees another version of herself jump in front of a train, and then steals her handbag, steals her identity, and ends up in a world of intrigue where there's all these other different people that look just like her, but aren't aware that they're clones. And she, all right, it's it's far more complex than that, and it is a wee bit adult, uh-huh. but it's very good. It's worth checking. Oh, right, I need to check that one out. Yeah, I need to check that one out as well. It starts off maybe a wee bit not that interesting, but as they get more into the characters, mm-hmm. the actress that's in it, as she switches between the different roles in the film in the series, you do actually just start seeing them as if they might as well be different actors. Yeah. Oh, right. I, I will have to. I will have to hunt this down. It's American, I take it, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think there's also some BBC involvement somehow. Cool. I seem to remember, but yeah, it's it's definitely maybe BBC America. It's on. 
Yeah, yeah, because there's a few things that appear on that that don't necessarily appear over here. I think it might have been on BBC Three over here, but right. you know, who the fuck ever turns over to see what's on BBC Three? It's just went online, hasn't it? I think they're I think they're deactivating the channel and yeah, they are. They're it making it online on. only. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. So that that just proves Gil's point. <laughs> Why don't they just make it offline only? Why don't they just make yeah. history? Or they just put more money into making better programmes. Like, if you put it on BBC Three, it means you don't think it's good enough for BBC One or BBC Two. So basically yeah. all we've got from having BBC Three is shite. Then ironically <laughs> we've got BBC Four, which is just High, really... highbrow arts entertainment. But if it's if they're focusing on a subject that you like, it's a fucking amazing night of programming yeah i like the fact that bbc4 just exists to kind of please some of the people some of the time but not all the people <laughs> all the time <laughs> quite funny oh. bbc4 are doing a special on vietnamese flute music and it's on for four hours <laughs> and then the next night Oh, they're, they're just showing uh, Dr. Feelgood singing Roxanne on the old grey whistle test on repeat 100 <laughs> times. Come and watch. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Dare I ask you if you've seen anything else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, mostly myself playing Assassin's Creed 3. All right, well, there we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I have watched a few things um which i'll zip through uh i checked out i bought i recently bought quite a lot of dvds and blu-rays um from arrow and they've just been accumulating and then it suddenly dawned on me i really need to actually sit down and give some of these a watch um so i watched two evil eyes um which i had never seen before but the fact that both argento and romero are involved in the project you know they, they both direct a film each um, kind of uh, whetted my appetite I watched it I thoroughly enjoyed that actually um, I finally got around to watching my Blu-ray copy of uh, Filchie's The Beyond and oh it's just a fucking glorious looking film honestly uh, and then I watched um, the Blu-ray version of uh, Toby Hooper's Life Force which I'd seen years ago um, and had forgotten quite a lot of it actually and then I sat back down to watch it there, and it's a ludicrous film, but it's fucking brilliant. Um, I checked out Snowpiercer, which uh, some people might know about. Uh, it was a yeah, less than legal I've, I've copy. Seen it as well. What did you think? I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was a bit predictable. Yeah, I, I thought the same. I thought it, it went exactly where I thought it was going to go. But it's, it's the prisoner. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's quirky enough. You know, Is this the thing about the train? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. We spoke about this in another podcast one time, didn't we? There was a trailer for it. Yes. yes. Yeah, well, I've got a... a, a, a yeah, who a, was it direct? A, a Mac... Hey, was it not some Japanese guy? Am I wrong? No, I think it was a Japanese thing. I'm it, sure it was. It was, but he'd also uh, directed something else, I'm sure. Oh, he's South Korean, actually. Sorry, he's, yeah. not, he's not Japanese. Oh, um, he did uh, host. 
He did the horse stats right. Oh, horse stats right. Uh-huh. Yeah. I fucking can't wait to see the horse too. <laughs> when they eventually get it out, I mean... Have you I seen, have you seen the clips from it? Yeah, yeah, the clips. The, I, I can't fucking wait. I absolutely can't wait. Um, I just genuinely, genuinely can't wait to see that film. But yes, yeah, so I checked out Snowpiercer and... Like, like like you were just saying, Gil, it, it follows exactly where you know it's going to go, but I quite like the, the kind of goofiness and parts in the film. And also, I mean, it deals with quite a lot of kind of loftier issues um, about poverty and, you know, how the rich get what they want and the poor should just be used to exploit, etc. I, th- I thought that side of things was pretty good. It's a beautifully shot movie. I thought I thought it was actually visually stunning to look at. Um, I, I, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was as ma- amazing, but I never thought it was going to be amazing. Um, and then I finally got a chance to watch um, The Marked Ones, Paranormal Activity 5, uh, or the unofficial Part 5. There is a Part 5 coming. Um, better than Part 4 by quite a bit but it suffers from that same problem that I think quite a lot of them in there out with parts one and three uh, have and that there's just too much boring there's too much time where nothing's happening for me and then you get it's like it's like very quiet and then you get like a, an effective scare and then you've got another 10 minutes of nothing fucking happening and I'm just, I, I'm kind of getting to that stage now. And I know they have to do it that way because it has to seem like real life and not everyone has exciting real life scenarios all the time. But then there's just certain situations in it where there's no feasible reason why someone would have a camcorder in these scenarios. I just, I, I quite like the way they tie it into the franchise though at the end. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um and I, I mean, I'll check out part five because I've invested so much time in it now that I kind of really want to see where it's going, even if I complain and bitch about it for the next year. Um, I'll and check out part five because I hate myself. <laughs> pretty much. That's what that's that is. You know, when you've invested so much time now, you're just you're expecting you're expecting it to be as bad, and part of you wants it to be that bad. All the um, stuff that we don't do in part five. Was the that was just the section of the film that I quite enjoyed? I thought it was really. I thought it was better than the rest of them. I thought the March, Did you? I thought the March one started off better than the rest of them because it was a bit more subtle. You yeah, it's like the rest of them they just keep hammering home like, oh my god, spooky shit's happening, and the fact yeah, that yeah. it only happens every once in a while during something where like every time something strange happens to these people. Mm-hmm. You know, like the first time it happens, they just happen to catch it on camera. The second time something happens, it'll be like they're talking about something freaky that happened on camera. Another one does. So then you've kind of got this uh, expectation that, you know, if they really are that interested and in kind of going, what the fuck is going on here? They're going to film more banality than, you know, things that are actually happening. Yeah, you know they're not they're not going to wait for a birthday party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I know. I my, my thing was I I mean my favorite. Obviously, I quite like the first one because I thought the first one was like when I saw the first one, I had actually I caught a bootleg copy before it even hit the cinemas with the the different ending, 
and I really enjoyed that because it just was so left of field I wasn't expecting it yeah. and then I saw the second one and I hated the second one the third one I really liked because it gives you backstory it explains why things are happening in a particular way we get introduced to the coven which to me is the, the most fascinating part of the whole story is this coven which the you then get a bit of and the fucking fourth one, but you have to sit through fucking... So much crap. Nonsense. Oh, yeah, just to get this bit where we've already been introduced to it. To me, the fourth one should kick off with it because we now know what's happening. And there's a bit more of it. And I, I mean, I quite like how they tie it back to that in the marked ones. I just felt... Like I say, it's better than the fourth one. Uh, to me, it's just not as good as the third one. I just really like that backstory, and I would like to. I would, to me, they either do more backstory and build up to the the current point, or they move now forward with the story of the audience now knows what's happening. Let's move with it. The fourth one to me just seemed like a rehash of the second one, where it's like, oh right, we've given another scenario, and oh, there's a creepy person, and all oh, this is heading this way. Um, it wasn't a bad film. It's just not necessarily what I was hoping for. Um, and I kind of hope that the fifth one, because I've already said it, the franchise is starting to lose money now, so they've announced that I think it's the sixth one will be the last one. So they need to tie the story up in two, yeah. two parts now. So, so they better get the finger out. Three and four were made by the guys that made Catfish. Were they? Yeah. Really? Yep. Oh, I did not know that. Did not know that. At all. I like three. Like I said, three for me is three for me is interesting because it answers some questions. It doesn't answer them all, but answers questions. Um, but four to me is a waste of space. I really did, and I went to see that in the cinema myself actually, and I got about halfway through it, and I was like, that I could just walk it just now if I wasn't so fascinated to find out what happens at the end of it. <laughs> and then when, when we got the payoff, I was like, that I really wish I'd walked out. Yeah. Um, the, the last film I watched and I'm actually reviewing it for Rock and Reel is another Arrow um, it's their Blu-ray of The Pit and the Pendulum um, the classic Roger Corman Edgar Allan Poe film starring the the magnificent Vincent Price um, and the, the Blu-ray cut that is really really nice uh, and obviously I'm going to do a full review I've not seen that film since I was about 12 or something 13 maybe um, I thoroughly enjoyed going back to that so, guys, is there anything else that we want to discuss before we do some newsy things? No, well, let's just dive into the news, my friend. Europe. Okay, dog. Europe. Let's not talk about... That's a big... Let's talk about the Eurovision. Um, let's not. Uh, bearded ladies all the way. Uh, anyway, right, we're going to take a very quick break. We're going to be right back with the news stories right after this. And welcome back to the news section of the podcast. Uh, we've got a couple of stories for you. Um, some are updates and stories we've already talked before about. But um, the first thing I want to talk about, and obviously this week we've got the very tragic news that uh, H.R. Giger had passed away. Um, for those that don't know who he is, and I don't know how you would, I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast if you didn't know who he was. He was obviously he was the a, a very famous artist. Um, who was the man behind the look of what the alien would look like in the film Alien? Um, and obviously would be that that would be carried on right throughout the 
the the continuation of that that series of films not necessarily always with his involvement they obviously there was different designers that adapted his works further on but um it had a particular visual style which i think's you know it's kind of very very strange and overtly sexual um as only as only the the swiss can do <laughs> really um but I, I, I was obviously it was quite a tragic story. I think he had a, a tumble at home down down his stairs, um, and he never really recovered from it. Uh, and he passed away at the age of seventy four, which uh, which is a, a good innings, but um, at the same time, though, you know, obviously, uh, quite a creative mind and um, a, a loss to the community in general. I think. Uh, I uh, I mean, we've all all three of us here have have seen the alien films maybe not all of them but have seen at least one of them um what, what did you think about the news dropping girl i mean it's quite it's quite a sad story like r.i.p yeah. human resources geiger yeah <laughs> that's his full name <laughs> human resources oh dear <laughs> well Baz, you've seen have you seen the whole Series of alien films? Uh, I don't think I've seen them all. I've certainly seen like the first three. Um, <laughs> then I've seen Prometheus. Was there some? Was there something after the third Aliens? Uh, there was Alien Resurrection, which was the one where the space pirates. Yeah, I've not seen that, and I didn't really watch any of the Aliens versus Predators ones. To be honest, my uh, the thing that most interested me about Geiger's work, he. Very famously, well, maybe not very famously, but in music circles, very famously, did an insert poster that came with the original vinyl release of Frankenchrist by the Dead Kennedys. And it, oh, right. it was that poster that resulted in the album getting banned and taken off the shelves uh, for a period of time when it first came out. It yep. was essentially uh-huh. rows upon rows of arses with uh, basically cocks going into them. In <laughs> um, this kind of repeating pattern, um, it was extremely graphic. Uh, and the Dead Kennedys, been the Dead Kennedys, used this as an insert poster um, for Frankenchrist, and it got whipped off the shelves pretty sharpish by the time the the kind of liberal Americans get their hands on it, kind of thing. Um, oh, so no more, that yeah, was you know out, outside of the aliens. Uh, connection that was the, the the thing that I knew most for kind of thing. Um, I, I've been a fantastic artist. I, I found this stuff very disturbing and, and quite unpleasant to look at. Uh, uh-huh. But you've got to appreciate somebody that can evoke that you know reaction out of somebody with their art. Um, yeah. Whether it's good, whether it's a good reaction or a bad one. Um, and with me, it was quite bad. I, I, stuff kind of almost repelled me a wee bit. But yeah. fucking hats off to him for being able to have that effect on you with his art, you know. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I was—I yeah. I didn't know anything about it till I saw somebody had put something on Facebook, um, and I was—I was quite shocked to hear about it, kind of thing. Uh, definitely a sad loss mm-hmm. to the art world and sort of by way of the film world through the aliens connection. Mm-hmm. He also did a really good uh, Debbie Harry album cover. Where oh, did he? Had, did he? She had, yeah, it was her first solo album, where. Uh, she had uh, big kind of skewers going through her head and everything. He also did uh, Danzig album cover as well, which oh, Danzig nice. then used like the album art on the t-shirts and stuff. And then he sued them and said he'd only been commissioned to do album artwork, not not stuff that could be reproduced. 
So that seems that, that seems quite, quite ironic. Ironic, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, seems quite ironic with with the the, the last week's news of how Danzig's <laughs> on yeah. a on a Sioux campaign. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll move on to our next news story. You know, this one Danzig will be interesting. Soon. I just I just I just read this on the internet. Wait a minute, let's see. Yep, just typed it. You know who Danzig's suing? Who's he suing? His mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Right, moving. On. Moving on. Right, uh, yeah, this story will be interesting to myself and Gil, but not to Baz because. Baz doesn't like this director, and he is wrong. He is clearly wrong. Oh, um, but there's been the some fucking guy that makes all the hedgerow films. You watch your whorish mouth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, there uh, is more information being released on the new Ben Wheatley project, which is High Rise. Um, so uh, the cast is coming together for Ben Wheatley's latest film, High Rise, based on the novel by J.G. Ballard. According to Screen Daily, both Jeremy Irons and Sienna Miller have both signed up to star, along with previously announced Mr Tom Hiddleston, a.k.a. Loki. Um, the outlet adds that Irons will play the architect, and Miller to be played uh, will be playing his aide. Here is a lengthy synopsis, courtesy of Screen Daily. The film centres on a new residential tower being built on the eve of Margaret Thatcher's rise to power. At the site of what will soon become the world's financial hub, designed a luxurious solution to the problems of the city, uh, it's a world apart. Um, enter Robert Ling, played by Hiddleston, a young doctor seduced by the high rise and its creator, a visionary architect, Anthony Royal, played by Irons. Lang discovers a world of complex loyalties and also strikes up a relationship with Royal's devoted aide, Charlotte, played by Miller. But rot has set in beneath the flawless surface. Sensing discord amongst the tenants, Lang meets Wilder, a charismatic. Uh, Provocateur uh, bent on inciting the situation. Wilder intimates Lang into a hidden life of the high rise, and Lang is shocked at what he sees. As the residents break into tribal factions, Lang finds himself in the middle of mounting violence. Violence that he also finds emerging in himself. So Wheatley is the director of such classic fil- classic films, Baz, as classic uh, Kill List. <laughs> Kill List, Sightseers, and A Field in England. Classic. He begins shooting. <laughs> begins shooting high rise this July in Belfast and I can't fucking wait. I absolutely love Ben Wheatley. I think he's he's one of the more interesting filmmakers to come out in the last five, six, maybe even seven years. Um and even his work in television is 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 interesting. I quite like the this the particular season of um Ideal that he directed. It has that kind of trippy Wheatley quality. Um and saying that Baz yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I I really enjoyed it as a television programme, but I, I really like his involvement in it as well. But, um, I mean, this, to me, sounds like more a conventional story that Baz can get behind. Because you, your big gripe with him in the past is you don't necessarily like... I, what is it you don't I, like I, about I, him, I, actually? I, I'm, I'm confused. Uh, um, I, I don't know. He, he has a kind of odd approach... To, to filmmaking and it, it just doesn't get me to be honest I don't think this will make much difference either I didn't like you know the, the plot behind Sightseers isn't the most out there thing just the way he does it <laughs> I don't like any of his characters his characters right. annoy me to the point that I dislike them so much I don't want to watch it anymore 
Right. Does that make sense? Um, I can see. I can see where you're coming from. I disagree, but I can see where. Yeah, you're I know. From. I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm I not saying I'm right here by any means. I'm just saying it's the kind of effect that as, as films have on me. Um, yeah. I just I can't form any kind of relationship with the people on the screen that that keeps me interested long enough to keep watching them. Right. Right. What about yourself, Gil? Are you are you looking forward to this one? Uh, ben Wheatley and JG Barlow together. Yeah. That just sounds fucking incredible. <laughs> it just sounds awesome. I I really just can't wait. I I think the Sightseers is uh, one of the best kind of horror comedies that's come out in the last decade. And mm-hmm. you know, if it wasn't for that film, I wouldn't always be wandering about with a copy of Frankie Goes to Hollywood's The Power of Love <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> Because I, I think like the, the use of the power of love at the end of Sightseers is just fucking it's incredible. It's really, really, really good. It's really, really, really good. It's my second favourite use of a Frankie Goes to Hollywood tune in the film. <laughs> well, right, oh, well, you've, you've kind of prompted my interest here. What's your first favourite? It has to be the, the fact that the film Doomsday <laughs> managed, oh, managed yeah. to actually... Kind of, it was a it was a pretty not that great film all uh-huh. the way through, and then all of a sudden after them kind of running about in Scotland mm-hmm. and going to this little tiny place and then they find a really fast car, the the scene that follows that was all filmed in South Africa. <laughs> so, was it? Yeah, South Africa is subbing in for Scotland at that <laughs> point. <laughs> Well, there's just some really fast cars going down a road to fucking uh, two tribes. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. I remember that. That's that's just awesome filmmaking. If you look up <laughs> Doomsday, it's mostly filmed in Scotland, but some of it's filmed in South Africa. Right, we're going to move on. We're going to move on. Right, the next story, um, we've got a bit of a teaser, uh, which is which has landed um, in the last week, um, which kind of hints at the new Rob Zombie project. You you all know Rob Zombie. He did a couple of films in the horror genre, then said, you know what? I don't need this horror stuff. I'm going to go off and do something else. I'm going to make a film about hockey. And then two years later, nothing happened. So he was like that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come back to horror. Um, and we were all like, Oh, yay, I think, maybe, possibly, yay, I don't know, I'm unsure now. Alright then, um, so he has teased his new project, which is called 31, with a, a poster, some artwork of what looks like a scary clown head. and um, That's unpredictable. That's completely <laughs> unpredictable. Uh, so, this is what we know in terms of the project, which is, believe it or not, very little. So, the basically dropped this, this small trailer, um, and all we know is the film is going to be, wait for it, hardcore. Uh, That's unpredictable. There you go. Uh, the final image of the promo video gave us a creepy clown um, visage, which doesn't say much. Uh, and what does 31 refer to? Well, we've had some speculation. The number of days in the month of October, maybe, because there's 31 days in October, and the fact that Halloween takes place on, wait for it, the 31st of October, plus there's a clown image, you know, it could very well be pointing towards a Halloween 
release date, possibly not this year, but maybe next year. Um, out with that, we have no real information anyway, but the big question is, what is going to happen with the, the project, which we all heard about a couple of months ago, in which Rob Zombie was teaming up with author Brett Easton Ellis to do a Charles Manson project, which now we have had no more information about. Um, I'm kind of in two minds about this one the same way I was when they announced the telly project uh, to, do, to do with the, the Manson thing um, Rob Zombie has had some moments which I'm very much behind his last film project left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth which was obviously Lords of Salem uh, where I thought there were some interesting elements but ultimately he basically shat the bed at the end uh, big time um, there's obviously a very humorous story from the, the Bedacious Horror podcast, where even Fop wouldn't take their copy back, which I've never heard of before. Yeah. My, my nearly puff. I've never heard the Fop saying, no, we're not taking that back. Um, they they but, were but, actually in administration at the time. All right, well, that could be why. Right, I'm thinking that's <laughs> probably why. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm kind of... That Do you know that, that sold on eBay for something like £8? Like... Bargain about a for week, you, like about a week after it had been released. It was well, it wasn't me. I didn't buy it. I fucking all right. Illegally <laughs> sold downloaded it. it. Did you not I, buy it? No. Was it was it no. Roscoe that bought it? Roscoe bought it. I illegally downloaded it. I wasn't paying money for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's there's elements of like I really like. Right, we'll, we'll go through it. I really like the Devil's Rejects. I'll be honest, I really like that film. I wasn't the biggest fan of House of a Thousand Corpses. There was a couple of elements in both Halloween films that I quite liked. Um, I didn't like either one of them completely, but there was a couple of things I quite liked about them. That I'm still, once again, Rob Zombie gets a lot of acclaim put on him, which I don't necessarily think he's earned yet. Um, and as a result of this one, it makes me a bit wary about any future... And the fact that he said he wasn't wanting to do horror anymore, he was going to do all these other things, and because none of them have taken off, he's come back to horror, and people are excited about it, I'm like, no, he turned his back on it. He didn't want to do it anymore. And now all of a sudden, because he can't get anything made, he's wanting to come back to it, and we should all be happy that he's back. I, I don't understand that. No, that. he did it badly. He did it <laughs> pretty fucking badly. House of a Thousand Corpses is an entertaining film the first time you watch it where you go like, oh my god, somebody actually gave a musician money to make a film. Yeah. You know, and then uh, fucking Devil's Rejects, he goes, what I'll do is I'll cast the same actors, so I'd better give them the same names. And then you get his third film where he goes, I'll cast the same actors, but I'll give them different names. (laughs) Which proves why Devil's Rejects doesn't work, because the characters do not act and generally don't even really look like the characters that they played in House of a Thousand Corpses. They are very different, yeah, they are very different. It's just a serial wank fest of, hey, look, I can get money for a thing. And then he goes, I'm going to try comedy. And people go, well, we won't give you money for that because none of your other films have been particularly funny. And he goes, well, I'll go back to horror. And people go, well, everything you've done has been like really underwhelming. And the fact that you said you were giving up horror, you've lost the zeitgeist. Yeah. Rob Zombie, can you please just try and write a good song? 
Well, the last story, moving on to our final story, and then because I really want to get talking about this film that we're going to be doing, um, is, is of interest to me. I don't know how much interest it'll be to other people, uh, but recently at um, Fangoria managed to have a chat with Ed Brubaker about his involvement in the Maniac Cop remake and how he was brought on board to the project. Brubaker is best known for his work in comic books, this year he saw his Winter Soldier story arc leap to the big screen in the latest Captain America film. Now he's working with producer Nicholas Winding Refn on a redo of the William Lustig film Maniac Cop. Brubaker says that the project came about through a meeting he had with the, this guy Refn. Um, and he told Fangora he's been working on the film for about a year while juggling other writing duties that he has to do. He is quoted saying, there's definitely some international humour here and there, and that's really dark. I think, um, oh sorry, that's not what he says at all. Give me two seconds. <clears throat> there's definitely some intentional humour here. I was about to say international and maniac cop. There's definitely some intentional humour here and uh, that's really dark. I think it's how it's shot, the sound design, and it's going to be uh, important how scary it is or it isn't. And you know, the director that signed on is really amazing, so I'm really psyched. Like me, he's a fan of 70s, 80s horror uh, horror movies, like the John Carpenter stuff. I hope it feels somewhat modern, but also feels like a throwback to the era that was the stepchild of. Initially, it was an interesting job. The director hasn't been revealed yet, so he's teasing this, but we hopefully will hear some about it at Cannes. As for the casting of Maniac Cop, Brubaker tossed Kevin Groovo's name into the mix. Have you ever heard his voice in real life? His voice sounds like it's going through a synthesizer. It'd be perfect for it. He's great in those underworld movies, but I don't know. I'll be really curious to see how it comes together now that we have a director and a budget. It's not cast a... Sorry? Uh, sorry, uh, I'll be really curious to see how it comes together uh, now that they have a director and budget. So, I mean, I've said once before, uh, Bill Lustig signed off on this one. He's heavily involved in the project. I grew up watching Maniac Cop. I think it's the sort of film that I would quite like to see remade. I mean, the previous Bill Lustig film that got remade was Maniac last year, which I absolutely adored. Um, I don't think this has the potential to be on the same level as the Maniac remake, but I'd be quite interested to see how they go with it. Um, and because I spoke about it before, I thought I'd bring back up. Are you a big fan of Maniac Cop, Gil? Yeah, I really enjoy it, but I was just uh, always kind of curious about them following up the remake of Maniac with the remake of Maniac Cop. Yeah, yeah. Considering the end of Maniac features a bunch of cops running in. That's... <laughs> you know, wouldn't it just be an amazing just fuck you to people that try and predict things if Maniac Cop was just, you know, Frodo Baggins has, has gone and possessed one of the cops that run in. <laughs> just could... Elijah, Woods, Elijah Woods walking around as a Maniac Cop. Yep. Because <laughs> it was all shot POV anyway, so, you know, you'd he just needs his voice for the monologue. That'd be awesome. You know, see if, <laughs> if he had survived, you know, like Chucky style. 
Yeah, yeah. The cops run <laughs> in, there's a flash of lightning. <laughs> it's not a remake of Maniac Cop, it's a remake of Maniac as a cop. I see what you've done there, I see what you've done there. Baz, you've not seen Maniac Cop, have you? Uh, no, I've never seen the original one, no. I have right. seen the remake Go- of Maniac... Um, yes, you did. Although yeah, I know right. that's really like, fuck all to do in here, but I have seen that. But um, no, I've not seen the original. I, mean, I, I seem to remember like the posters, like from when I was a kid, mm. the picture of the kind of silhouette of the cop. You don't seem to see his face in it. That's right. Um, but yeah, no, that's the extent of my knowledge on it, to be honest. Oh well, I've got it, so I'll I'll fire it across to you so, and watch and see what you make of it. It's a right, video shop it. classic. It is. I mean, I, that, I think that's. That's how I got introduced. I got introduced. It was like famously one of the first horror films, the the babysitter that inflicted me to a lot of horror films, actually let me watch, and I was about eight. <laughs> um, and I, I remember seeing it and just going, "This is one of the coolest fucking things I've ever seen with my eight year old brain." Um, and it pretty much sparked my love of horror after that, um, because I just thought these are the sort of films that I want to watch. I really want to see films where really nasty, creepy things happen to people. Um, and if there happens to be a, a kind of strange, almost inhuman cop doing them, then I'm down with that. Uh, <laughs> so, And the tagline's fucking amazing as well. You know, you have the right to remain silent. Forever. I think that, yeah, I fucking love that, man. It's all that sort of, it's like you see, girl, it's the epitome of the 80s. These, these films don't get made now and that's what that's what's got me curious about it is how they remake that for 2015 when it comes out or 16 um, is how that'll go and how you know what they'll do with it because as much as I love that film I'm not precious over it to the point that I never want to see it remade like so, other ones uh, imagine so. if The Running Man had been a film that had been suppressed for 20 years yeah. <laughs> and was then released <laughs> You know, people just don't make films like that anymore. It would just seem so alien to everyone. People it don't does, have yeah, yeah. those sorts of characters or those. Everybody had to have a fucking catchphrase, and then it got to the point where every scene had to have a catchphrase. <laughs> I miss the eighties films so much because, you know, the last time anybody tried to make a film that looked like an eighties film was. Probably uh, the Die Hard film with Sam Jackson in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Aye, it's, and then the, and well, you see where that franchise ended up. So, <laughs> not even but, uh, seen yeah, the that... last one. Oh man, not it's, even it's brutal. Seen the last one. Yeah, it's fucking hellish, man. It's uh, uh, there. You go. Uh, uh, and it's almost at the stage that if someone said, do you want to watch August Underground again or do you want to watch the last Die Hard film, I would almost pick August Underground. Um, well, it's, it's I, I don't shorter. Want to... <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, right, so we're going to jump out just now. And like I just kind of hinted at, the next discussion is going to be August Underground. You're going to hear the Baz V Horror promo coming up. You're then going to hear the trailer for the film. When we return, we're going to be doing Baz V Horror episode number eight. Baz takes on August Underground right after this. In a world gone mad, one man will step up to the plate. A horror novice who wants to take on all that the horror genre can throw at him. Will he be triumphant in this eternal battle against the horror genre? 
who will win? Who will be triumphant? Who can conquer horror? I ask you, who wins in Baz v Horror? Without a word of a lie, and I'm genuinely not making this up, and I've never done this in my life, I just went, SHIT! You've just listened to the trailer for uh, the selection for Baz v Horror episode number 8. I kind of felt a bit mean-spirited, so I flung three titles at Baz. Um, one of which was on a previous uh, poll uh, for found footage films, and uh, I know for a fact that when Baz sees it, it's going to scare the shit out of him. Uh, that was Grave Encounters. The second choice was a Serbian film, uh, which I uh, have seen and I kind of wanted Baz to watch it but Baz uh, was a little bit put off by it so he chose The Unknown Factor which was the, the film I threw in purely because I'd heard a bit of chat about it before which was August Underground we gave the three suggestions to Baz Baz chose August Underground and um, I'll give you some information on the film and then Baz will talk us through his watching experience so August Underground came out in 2001 the synopsis of the film <laughs> this could, uh, well, <laughs> is two serial killers going on a murdering rampage as one film's outcome from behind a video camera. It was directed by Fred Vogel. Uh, the writers were Alan Peters and Fred Vogel. Um, and the cast, I'm not even going to go into it because most of them are not really on it that much. Um, but let me see. Because it's IMDb, they do this fucking thing where they put in order of who's actually in the film, which is fucking useless, and I wish I'd read that before I started doing this. Give me two things. Because <laughs> Fred Vogel's in it, I think, isn't he? He's the main guy. Aye, so. he is the main guy. He's the killer. Um, 
He's right, also right. interviewed heavily in the Sandman documentary. That's 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 how I know it because you sent me that trailer. But uh, yeah, so um, the cast that I'm going to tell you are just basically the two main guys. So Fred Vogel as Peter, who's the killer, and Alan Peters plays the man behind the camera with the most annoying laugh in history. But I'm kind of stealing Bazzy's thunder here. <laughs> totally stealing Bazzy's thunder. <laughs> right, Baz, you chose Duncan. this film. You chose yep. it. Talk to us about August Underground. Okay, strap yourselves in, boys. It's about to get really fucking tedious. <laughs> um, as you say, Duncan, this, uh, this this episode of As We Horror, well, we're sitting at 4-3 in the scores here. Um, so this was a bit of a boss man's choice, um, and you yep. gave me a choice of three. Now, just to explain my thinking behind this choice before we get into it, you've rhymed off the three films that we spoke about there. Um one of which is Grave Encounters, um, and I actually own that because I bought it at the time that we were doing Cannibal Holocaust. I bought it at the same time, but I've not watched it. Um, and I know you have a rather interesting idea of something that we could do with that film. So yes. I was kind of loath to pick that one because I like the idea that you've come up mm-hmm. with and that I'm not going to spoil. It's so that kind of ruled that one out. Turn the DVD into an ashtray. <laughs> no, that's not what the idea is, Gil. Um, so that ruled that one out. The um, then there was this, uh, a Serbian film which I've never seen, um, but I am aware of certain parts of it. Um, and to be honest, I will never choose to watch this film. Should it get picked? As part of Baz V Horror, I'll do my bit and I will try and watch it, but I'm never voluntarily going to watch that film because some of the things in it, the ideas disgust me, to be quite honest. Which left me with August Underground. Now, it did worry me a little bit because the first I became aware of this film was in the sort of aftermath of our uh, episode where we did the Poughkeepsie tapes. Now, for anybody that's not heard that episode, the Poughkeepsie tapes scared the living bejesus out me um, and had a quite profound effect on me in that it was going through my head for weeks after watching it. Um, <laughs> I, I, After watching it, I'd come down the stairs and I basically made my wife and my daughter just sit next to me, kind of holding me, so I knew they were <laughs> safe and weren't in danger. Um, it had a really, really profound effect on me. Um, and the chat after it was that this August Underground made that look like mother's milk kind of stuff. And yeah, like, that wasn't oh. by me. That, no, I, it I wasn't. Never, it yeah, wasn't. I never no. said that. That was by our illustrious leader over at the network, um, yeah. Mr. David Anders Jr. So I was... That was the impression I carried into this. Like, Christ, I don't really want to watch this because the Poughkeepsie tapes frightened the fuck out of me and this thing's supposed to be worse. Um, but in, in saying that, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, I loved the Poughkeepsie tapes. It really it frightened the fuck out of me, but it was just a brilliant film. It just it really did what it was supposed to do. It scared the shit out of me. It made me feel uncomfortable, but I was completely engrossed. Um, and I will go back and watch that film again at, at some point. Uh, so what was going to go through my head was, like, what the fuck can possibly be in this film that makes it worse than that? Because it just... Poughkeepsie tapes just floored me. So I um, I settled down to watch it this morning. Um, I had my breakfast and all that prior to it, and then as I'm in the middle of eating that, I'm going, oh, Christ, was this a good idea? What if this thing makes me feel sick or something like that? But anyway, powered on. 
so I watched it about 10 o'clock this morning. Um, the film itself, it's not a very long film. I noticed that when I fired it up on the computer. Um, it's only about an hour and 10 minutes. And I thought, well, that's not too bad. It's not too long to get through. And it really, it jumps straight into it. From the very first opening scene, it's this guy, and it's very grainy, poor quality kind of VHS footage. Guy going mm-hmm. down a flight of stairs into a cellar, followed by this giggling buffoon holding the camera. Um, and there is a girl tied to a chair in the cellar, and she is just all sorts of fucked up. She's completely naked, uh, she's gagged, she's tied up. There's blood fucking everywhere. There is what turns out to be feces smeared everywhere. Um, it, it's quite an, it, as opening scenes go, it's hugely unpleasant kind of thing. Obviously, there has been a lot going on before this scene that we're not aware of. We're just introduced to the fact that the, this couple of guys have this girl um, down there. We very quickly see that there's another uh, person in this cellar, uh, which is a male. He's in a bathtub. He's quite clearly dead, and he's been castrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, at this point, the the guy using the camera, he kind of zooms in on the guy's genitals, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. And he starts kind of giggling the like a schoolboy. Yeah, he starts kind of giggling like a schoolboy. Where's his dick gone? You know, and then they pan over and it's floating in this blood-filled toilet. Mm-hmm. And straight away, there's this kind of very kind of immature frat boy atmosphere created. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's not like the Poughkeepsie tapes where there was just this brooding, fucking, unescapable terror of what's going on. These guys are just a pair of fannies. Do you know what I mean? Um, they they <laughs> turn back a couple of dicks. They turn back um, to the girl, and there's a kind of fucking drawn out ten minutes of kind of fairly uninspired. It's not torture because they don't really do anything. There. They kind of smear bits of shit on her, and they're kind of laughing and joking and grabbing her and screaming at her. Um, the one bit that has a bit of impact that they focus down, she's naked, um, they focus down on her breast and her left nipple has been cut off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was quite realistic and it was a bit like, oh, fuck, that that doesn't look good kind of thing, do you know what I mean? And that one bit was quite well done. You're like, that, that looks really fucking real, you know, for what you could see in the very kind of poor quality footage. Um, but... There was just, that was the only bit of impact in that whole opening 10, 15 fucking minutes. Even the guy that had been castrated was dead in the fucking tub. Just nothing. Uh, there was just no impact. There was no horror. There was no terror. It wasn't even particularly fucking gut-churning. The guy's kind of screaming at her, and th- that was one of the things in the Poughkeepsie tapes, when the, the, the kind of killer in that, when he screams at his victims, you kind of flinch back. There's this total control that he has in his voice that he can exert over this people and I remember myself going fucking hell do you know what I mean it, it was very scary the way he did it it's like these guys are trying to do that but they they don't fucking pull it off You're, you feel like going like that oh shut the fuck up and stop shouting do you know what I mean mm-hmm. so yeah it was it was straight into it and I was like oh, well you know this is only the fucking opening scene it's only going to get worse for here kind of thing I can maybe see what they're talking about. If that's the very first scene and it is literally within the first 10-15 seconds, 
you're straight into seeing this girl. Um, so they kind of fuck about and kind of torment her and vaguely irritate her for a bit. Uh, and then the, there's a lot of standing and shit and stuff like that. It's kind of fairly gross. There is a bucket of what looks to me like fudge brownie mix, which they are passing off as a bucket she has to use to go to the toilet in. Uh, what's not explained is how the fuck does she get up to do it when she's handcuffed to a chair. Mm-hmm. But uh, that aside, there's quite a lot of it. It's not the hardest film to pick holes in, I've got to say. Um, the type of bucket of stuff, which I assume is meant to be urine over the top air, that fucking, that's about it. It then cuts to them, uh, they're out in a car, um, they've obviously left this house, they're driving about, there's a lot more of this kind of frat boy giggling and swearing and dude kind of stuff going on. Um, they pick up another victim or another girl. Um, they're driving her about in the car. She's trying to get to, I think it's Pittsburgh or something like that. Um, they're basically saying, you know, <clears throat> we'll take you. She's in the back of the car. The guy with the camera, he's kind of going, uh, I'll give you $20 if you show me your tits. So she rather awkwardly shows her his tits kind of thing. Um, he then wants to see a bit further down, if, we, if you know where I'm going. Uh, yes. She kind of does that. The, the most surprising bit in that is actually when she pulls her trousers and her kicks and that down. It's quite pornographic the way it's done. It almost looks like a kind of cheap-ass porn film at this point. Um, they then they basically pay it to take one of the guys outside and give him oral sex kind of thing, you can see this in the distance then he starts basically punching her, she's down in the ground and he obviously gives her quite a bad beating all the time the little camera guy's giggling away like a fucking arse in the car kind of trying to film it, you know he then goes out to see her she's on the floor, there's kind of blood in her face, she's not moving he kind of says oh she's not dead but they get back in the car again and they just fuck off and leave her there Um at this point, in my notes, I've just written the camera's laughing is irritating beyond belief. Mm. Um, we then go back to the cellar and the girl again. Uh, they're down there. The main guy, the one that you can see, um, he's hacking up this body uh, in the bath. He's vomiting quite a lot with the smell. I think the body started to decay. Um, they kind of tease the girl with his body parts. You find out that it's her boyfriend. Um, and they hack off his toe and tape it into her mouth. Um, and I've written at this point, and I, I'm kind of looking at my notes. Normally my notes are just a guide to remind me about stuff that was going on. Uh, but it's actually almost me worth reading some of these out word for word, just because I'm struggling to talk about this film. I've written here, mm. this film is fucking shite. No attempt <laughs> No attempt to anything other than shock, and it fails at that. And that's my overriding feeling towards this film. They try to shock you. I know I keep talking about the Poughkeepsie tapes. It's the only film in a similar vein that I've ever seen, so I have to relate it to that. You guys probably have a multitude of other ones you can talk about. But to me, they try to shock you in the way that the Poughkeepsie tapes shocked me genuinely. Stop me dead in my tracks. Oh my fucking God, you know. They've tried to do that and have just failed in every fucking level. It's not graphic enough to be shotting. It's not scary enough to be shotting. The fat prick doing the torturing is 
not even borderline intimidating. He's just a fat laddie. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the after this bit, it cuts out to a hardcore punk kind of show. It's filmed in like a small kind of hall. Um, there's a kind of circle pit going, and I've written here cuts to a hardcore punk gig. Um, and it, I think I'd said in one of my tweets that's the most interesting thing that's happened so far because mm-hmm. there's a fucking punk gig going on and they're slamming about in a week in a circle pit do you know what I mean um, the fat laddie Peter is slamming about in the pit he ends up in a fight um, with the guy he's kind of going off his nut in the pit it's not like a kind of just a kind of slamming thing he starts hitting folk and punching them he ends up in a bit of a kind of rammy he gets dragged outside by the bouncers um, there's wee arsehole pal still filming the whole thing the bouncer kind of basically escorts the two of them away and the camera guy's going why the fuck are you following us why aren't you following them they started it blah 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 and I'm kind of thinking at this point oh the fucking the bouncer guy's going to get it here do you know what I mean he's annoyed them they'll turn on him they'll kill him nah mm-hmm. he just fucks off back gives them the finger and that's it fucking pointless do you know what I mean other than to show you that this fat guy's a bit volatile and a bit of a prick, well, we kind of already knew that. He's got a bird chained up in his cellar and he's killed her boyfriend. Do you know what I mean? I, I didn't say volatile for that. I just took prick. Yeah, I prick. Annoying cunt you get at concerts. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, so it's a fucking meaningless scene other than it was quite interesting to see the low-key punk gig. Um, there's a, It's followed by a very pointless, very short scene in the country that seems to focus on the hilarity around a goat's genitals. I don't know what else was meant to happen. He jumps on a big bale of hay at one point. Uh, it's... A- Andy mistakes others for testicles. Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. What the... Yep. F- what, seriously, what sort of filmmaker is he? If he looks <laughs> like a goat with like bits that are hanging down with fucking nipples at the end of them and he goes I didn't know his balls were that big yep ah yep. well I am um... go and try and find his dick you fucking arsehole <laughs> <laughs> I, I know this might sound a bit fucking reckless and this is probably quite fucking boring but this is how this is this film there is a wee short scene in the country where they look at a fucking goat's udders mistake it for his boss and then leave it's just, it's fucking it's just beyond shite. They then visit a slaughterhouse. That's the best bit. <laughs> That's the best bit. It's no far off it, Gil. They then they then visit a slaughterhouse, and the the Peter character appears to know the wee guy that works there. He takes them in, gives them a tour. Um, there's lots of shots of dead animals hanging up, and he's kind of explaining the process. You know, this is the bit where we cut their throat, they bleed out here, we put them in this machine, fucking blah 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 there's lots of shots of hooks that you know, they hang them up in these hooks and you're kind of thinking, alright, they're going to take this back and you know, this is going to relate to one of their victims in some kind of way, yeah, could not be more wrong, they're basically mm-hmm. just having a look around a slaughterhouse there's a rather shit, rocky joke made when they see the pigs hanging up then they fuck off and leave again, that's the last you hear about that Fucking pointless five minutes. They kill an old blank. Yep. They kill an old lady. <laughs> and as exciting as that, it really is as exciting as that. You don't see anything. There's no. I thought, oh, you know, right, he's got an old lady here. This is the shock value. You're going to see him beating up an old age pensioner lady. That's the kind of shock value they go for. Nah. By the time the camera gets out of the house, she's dead in the fucking floor. 
Uh, they open their fridge and steal a beer. There is no concern about fingerprints or evidence at all. Yeah. Um, the next bit I've written, shite seen in a shop. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's basically a, sh- a shit scene where they take the piss out of a shopkeeper guy, throw some crisps about. They go back in, they appear to apologise to the guy, then they stab him. They attack a couple of customers and kind of sexually humiliate them by making each other smell the other one's arse. I get, and it's like, all right, well, so we're going for fucking base sexual degradation. But that's as far as it goes. You know what and I mean? It would uh, work. Sniff, it is that... It work. Like, see if you were forced to sniff your wife's arse and a guy was going, how does it smell? You'd go, it smells, smells nice, honey. It smells lovely. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's all this stuff in the shot. You could have been like that, right? Take that bottle and sodomise your wife with it. If you're really going to get down this road, there's a lot worse you can do than making you sniff her arse. Do you know what I mean? Because you're going to um, go like, well, you know, am I going to be in trouble for the guy with a knife? Or am I going to be in bigger trouble if I say my wife smells of shit? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There was just fucking no thought in any of this. Um... They also, they don't appear too worried at all about anybody else walking in. Bear in mind, they've just stabbed the shop clerk guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a fleeting bout of motion sickness at this point, because they're kind of, they're grappling with people in that, and the camera gets a bit more jiggly at this point. That was about the the most effect the film had in a hole on me. There, and then there's a really odd bit when they, they come out, they get into their car, and when they leave the shop, it's kind of almost like flipping them the finger and fuck you guys, and they saunter out into the car. Then they're pulling out, and he comes away with the classic, oh, it's 5 dude, because there's a police car coming. Shit, is it, man, is it? And then they kind of get into the car, and you see the lights, and you can see the police car coming, and they appear to screech out the car park. And you're like that, all right. So there's a cop chase scene coming up. There. They'll probably end up killing these cops or something. Not at all. Literally a second and a half later, it's the next morning, and they're out fucking about again. <laughs> and at that, I was like, I, I, I think that was the nearest I actually came just to turning it off, just to a sheer fucking exasperation with this film. <laughs> um, the scene the next day takes place in some form of toy shop, and it's I've written here top shop toy shop scene beyond pointless. That's mm. all I have to say on that. But they then go into a fucking tattoo shop. Tattoo slash comic shop. The guy gets a really shit, unhygienic tattoo done on his leg. And then before, <laughs> he, he asks them if there's a toilet. And before you know it, these two guys have been taken prisoner. They're twins. One wakes up in the chair. I think it's the same chair the girl was in, but she appears to be gone. Mm-hmm. He's kind Aye, of fa- she's fucked off for no reason. <laughs> yeah, she, I think she probably just got bored, Gil. You know what you know I what think I mean? she realised? <laughs> what I think she realised is that she had her fucking hands tied. Right, but her feet weren't tied to the chair. So all you have to do is just get away from the chair. Yep. <laughs> and then you can stand up and off. walk awkwardly out. Aye. And, oh, there's a door handle. I'll turn my back to it. And then turn it, oh, and it's open, <laughs> and I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going well, to these for... two guys are away looking at comics and tattoos. I know. It's, uh, it's, it's fucking. So, as I say, this guy appears to be tied to the same chair. He's been beaten up quite badly. There's a lot of blood. 
His brother is lying on the floor, rather bizarrely with his head in a plastic bucket and one foot missing. Uh, it just seemed a bit random. Anyway, they wake up the other one. It appears that this is his twin brother. And there's a kind of rather shit scene where they're going like that. I heard twins have this unseen bond when I cut his foot off. Did you feel it, man? No, I didn't. You know, again, there's a kind of shorter, shitter version of the opening scene with these two guys. Then we cut to a scene with hookers. I think at this point I tweeted only eight minutes to go, thank fuck, or something like that. <laughs> um, we cut to a scene. They've gone out, they've got themselves a couple of rather ugly-looking crack whores um, and brought them back to the house. They're up the stairs. They're having a wee bit of a party with the hookers. Um, and I've written here, genuinely think this scene was just made to allow the actors to feel some tits. Um, because <laughs> it's quite elongated this scene before it gets to any form of scary horror bit there's just this rather awkward elongated scene with quite a lot of breast feeling and wiggling of tits and faces and some very poor accent related humour and I genuinely do think because I think the big fat laddie that's the main guy might have made this film I think he just genuinely made this. I'm pretty sure these two girls were hookers. And I think he's just going, lad, dude, we could do like a scene at the end with hookers. We could get a couple of hookers and fill them up for a bit. Do you know what I mean? I think that's why they did this. His girlfriend's in the third one. He got a girlfriend. That's what I take away for that statement. Fucking (laughs) just blows my mind there's a third one, to be honest. Anyway, so there's this rather long unerotic fucking hooker scene they, they, one, the main guy then takes one of them down the white one downstairs apparently have sex the black one it kind of cuts to 10 minutes later the black one's clearly had sex with the camera guy they then go downstairs where we see the fat guy having sex from behind with the white one while malking her on the back of the head with this plastic hammer that he used earlier to cave somebody's head in uh, and it, the way they've done that scene is basically just have a plastic hammer so they can't actually hit them with it uh, because they couldn't afford to fake up some kind of real hammer action. So he's hitting her with his wee squeaky plastic hammer thing while having sex with her. The black hooker then says, oh my goodness, that's a direct fucking quote when she sees her pal being bludgeoned. <laughs> oh my goodness. She runs back up the stairs... The fat laddie jumps off from, you know, death raping the fucking other one, chases her up the stairs out of the house. Her and the him and the camera guy just keep going, oh fuck, man, fuck, dude, and then it cuts to credits. This is literally the worst film I've ever seen in my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> this film failed, and I, I said it earlier on, it fails on every level. It's not scary. It's not gory. It's not shocking. It's not well acted. There's no plot. There is no character development. There is fucking nothing. It's a collection of badly filmed scenes made by two pricks. Well, I, I love this film. I thought this was the best and most poignant film I've ever seen. No, <laughs> no you didn't, I, Bill. No, I you... fell asleep 
four times trying to watch this fucking film. Right, now that's an interesting point. Gil, for obviously our readers might not know, our listeners wouldn't have known this, through the week, Gil watched this film about a week ago, or attempted to watch it about a week ago, and there was tweets and Facebook comments coming up going like, ah, I've tried to watch it three times and I keep falling asleep. Now, Graham, former co-host of the podcast Under the Stairs, had said very similar things about this film. Oh, it's shit, it's boring, it's crap, there's nothing... I don't think, it, yeah, I don't think Graham had ever actually seen it. I think it was purely on... Like, Graham obviously knew the reputation of this film yeah. before I did. I, I mean, all I had heard was, like, we talked about Poughkeepsie, and I, I genuinely think, and I'll come on to like talking about Poughkeepsie at the end and for the same reasons you're saying it Baz is because the films tell a similar there's a similar premise they're just executed on completely different yeah. ends of the spectrum yeah. of competency um, but Graham had heard stories about it and all Graham had said to me was the, the it, it's just an exercise in gore they don't do anything with it. This is what I keep hearing. Yeah. I've never heard anyone say, oh, it's a truly horrendous film, you know, in terms of the terror or whatnot. So Graham got in touch and said what? Well, he'd basically been saying, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's shit, it's boring, it's not a film, blah, blah, blah. And then Gil was saying that, Gil was saying they kept falling asleep. And I'm kind of going, right, well, this is their desensitisation coming out in it. You know, Graham said that he thought like the likes of Martyrs was shit, and I really enjoyed Martyrs and found it quite a horrifying film and a cool kind of Graham's way. wrong there, you though. Know, Graham I, is I, wrong I, there. I, I, would, I would agree with you, I think he's wrong there, but that's his opinion on it, and, and he watches a lot more horror than me, as does Gil, and I'm kind of thinking, oh, this is these guys, they're desensitised to this stuff. I can totally fucking understand why you fell asleep in this, Gil, genuinely. If I had watched this at night, I think I probably would have fallen asleep during it. It's It's nothing... It's just a massive, fucking, badly filmed non-event. This film sucks ass. <laughs> right, we'll bring Gil in here. Cause Gil, Go on in, Gil. Get in here, uh, son. Gil, Gil had a few attempts to, to watch this film and eventually yeah. made it to the end. But bless his wee cotton socks, did Gil not start from the beginning each time he went to watch this film? So I, you must have seen the, the start of this film about three or four times now. Yeah, four times I saw the start of this film. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> this this film owes me two bottles of Staropramen because <laughs> there were two nights that I thought I'll have a beer and watch a film. Pour a bottle of Staropramen into a nice pint glass, put it down, start watching this film. Fall asleep, wake up the next morning. There's a there's a fucking glass of flat Staropramen that nobody's gonna be drinking. So as far as I'm concerned, that's like film industry. £3.29. Me. <laughs> Nothing. Yep. So, I'd be better about that as well, by the way, Gil. I'd be yeah. fucking raging about that. I, I, I think that that's what people should do. Like From now on, anybody that is caught illegally downloading films, they should be charged based on the like out of five stars rating that they gave that film. <laughs> <laughs> Because this would have got, like, negative three, allowing yeah. me Sorry. to watch, like, at least three one-star films illegally. I'm going to just jump in very quickly before Gil carries on, because the one thing I forgot to mention, what's really annoyed me more about this is, it's quite hard to get this film, actually get a DVD of it. I like to have the DVDs of the films that I do. I'm kind of building up a wee collection. This is the films I did for Baz V Horror. And the only one I've not got is the Poughkeepsie tapes, because it was never released in DVD. 
I managed to track down a fucking copy of this film on eBay, and I won it, and it cost me 14 quid, including the postage and packing. Yeah, oh, oh, fuck off, Baz, really? Yep, yep, fucking, it's not arrived yet, and I am fucking raging. Shove it right back up, man, shove it right back up, honestly, just get get it right back, don't even, don't even touch it, just put it right back up and see if you can get some of that money back. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, girl, carry on. Stick it up with the fucking link to this review. I'm going to find the big fat guy that's in it. I'm going to stick it up his ass. Is what I'm going to do. You know, we should have a fucking. We should. We should have like a telethon. <laughs> <laughs> For like all the shit horror films that Baz now owns. <laughs> because I I don't understand how anybody would pay for this. Because well, you see, when you watch it. You genuinely can't see why even YouTube would block it. Yeah. yeah. It seems like something that is made by people that... I mean, it's all filmed on mini-DV, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's filmed on a form of digital. And then in the editing process, they degrade it some more to make it look like it isn't. And oh, you're right. just thinking, well... No, if I want to see something that's, if I want to see something that's truly is going to disturb me, I want that to be in like fucking 1080p. Yeah. I want to be looking at something and going, that's not fake. Mm-hmm. That's that's completely genuine. I want somebody to make something that actually makes me go, am I watching a genuine snuff movie? Ah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. But that's that's what these guys have attempted. Basically, what they've made is like a really bad Monty Python episode, <laughs> where it's it's like it's tied together by the basement sketch. Yeah, yeah. And then they've got all these little small vignettes just to make the film a bit longer. And one of them is due to Fat Fuck McFarson that made the film. <laughs> fucking. Fred Vogel doesn't Fred Vogel just sound like somebody you want to punch (laughs) (laughs) I I think Fred Vogel sounds like a serial killer do you know what I mean but it it is just somebody that knows a guy that works at a slaughterhouse who said oh me and my mate are making a film could we like just come and film about where you just like show us how they kill the animals? Yeah. And then they've gone like there's like an extra fucking seven minutes and people at home are sitting going, Man, fuck you. Yeah. You're the guy that came up with the nipples being cut off effect from the start. Your fucking bowl of feces brownie mix was not acceptable and neither was your plastic foot or your plastic hammer, but if you're going to go into a slaughterhouse and you're trying to shock me, show me something that's actually horrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're in a slaughterhouse and you're going like, oh, well, here's all the places that they commit the slaughter, but obviously no slaughter's being committed just now because you're filming. And you're like, no, fuck you guys. If you actually want to make a film that is horrible and shocking film things that are horrible and shocking. Don't come up with oh, I've figured out how to make like a shit effect from a joke shop into something that looks slightly horrific. Because it's like the the really bad scene with the girl that wants to go to Pittsburgh 
he, he keeps going like, well, I'll give you twenty dollars for this. I'll give you twenty dollars for that, and then he's going like, oh well, if you suck my dick, we'll take you all the way to Pittsburgh. Mm. Mm-hmm. The punches that he's throwing at her are like so fucking WWF from 1984 <laughs> yep. it's fucking unbelievable and then they've got this kind of bit where it's meant to look like he's pissing all over his all over her face but oh yeah mm-hmm. I forgot about that but I yeah. but all, all he's basically doing is he's pouring the red on so that they can keep that as being a continual shot so yeah. you know it is kind of about oh look at us we've figured out how to do some special effects for wouldn't this be a horrible torturous scene in a film and wouldn't this be and then what they've done is they've taken four of them and just put them together with like no fucking writing no acting nothing it's Mm -hmm. just here's what we can do with a camera and they're even making it they're taking like fucking like digital camera footage and then making it look like it's video footage. Yep. So the they can use that for covering up some of their own fuck ups or yep. make it less effects. likely. Yeah, make it yep. less likely that it's a shitey effect. But I mean like if any of these scenes had been in a film that had a fucking story and a plot and actually had like happened at a pivotal moment then you know maybe they'd be fucking good scenes but when you just throw a bunch of them together into like fucking bullshit carnage you just end up thinking this is basically just like a subgenre of directors who like to look at each other's work and masturbate furiously going oh why didn't I think of that mm-hmm. <laughs> And they actually make money from it. That's the mm-hmm. sad thing, is that this this isn't a genre of people making films. This is like people that are basically putting out really, really bad kind of self-made ideas that because they've got nowhere to put it, and so they keep coming up with this excuse that. We want to show people our extremity. You know, <sighs> oh, this is how extreme it is. Like, the, the woman that gets killed in this film is the filmmaker's grandmother. Yes. The old lady, is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's <sighs> actually... Uh, I don't want this to sound like a, a plug for a bodacious horror episode, but we interviewed a guy called J.T. Petty who's made a couple of pretty good films. Like, uh... The Burrowers, which Burrowers is, is really good. Burrowers is really, really fucking good and well worth checking out. If you want to see a Wild West horror story, Burrowers is pretty much it. And, and it's on Netflix. And it's on Netflix. Oh, is it? Okay, I might watch that then. And he also made one that Baz is not allowed to chuckle at the name of, which is <laughs> uh, Hellbenders. <laughs> Sorry. I said you're not allowed to know the name of it, but oh, you can't uh, build me up like that, Gil. Come on. No, seriously, but it 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 does feature Clancy Brown. Mm, as, like Clancy Brown. Yeah, the, the Kurgan is like oh, a, right, a, fucking, right, yeah. a priest, and uh, it's about people that it's about like a 
a part of the the church where they have to sin because it gives them something to atone for as they're killing demons kind of thing. It's quite a good film, but he made a documentary about people that make these sorts of films. And funnily enough, is actually hotly tipped to be directing uh, a reboot of the Faces of Death series. Really? Yeah, in fact, if you listen to our uh, episode with him, it's actually mm. the first official confirmation that that's true. Because oh, I right. asked him about it and he said, well, yeah, kind of at the moment. <laughs> so, I mean, like Faces of Death is is and guinea pig, which I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with guinea pig Baz at all. No. It no. was uh, a series of Japanese horror films that basically featured uh, kind of not not found footage because found footage insinuates that somebody eventually had to pay. This is basically mm-hmm. just like serial killers home movies. Right. Type stuff where it's you see them following a woman on the street, they kidnap them, they torture them. You know, it's all fake, but and like Guinea Pig did feature things like the guy that's supposed to be the killer actually slaughtering a, a chicken by the woman and mm. then like in the same shot going on to like do stuff to her just to give it this kind of added realism, the sort of stuff that just, you know, it's not acceptable to kill a chicken for a film, but, you know, it made it... It made the boundaries between is this real or is this fake actually just seem that little bit more blurred. But see, with August Underground, the fact is that you want there to be no boundary. You want these to be real people just so you can go and slap them. Because mm. <laughs> they're fucking... They are, like... They're probably playing themselves. So, you know, the people in these films are just wanks. Yep. <laughs> just, yeah. You know, you do want to just punch them and go... Like, seriously, if you think you've got a talent for effects, why don't you do something that involves effects and a story? Not this pile of shite that you're like putting on to limited edition one thousand VHS copies and selling for like fucking thirty bucks a piece. Fair enough, you've made three thousand dollars from one fucking film, but you know, have you actually gained anyone's respect? Mm. According to Wikipedia, this Fred Vogel prick has made nine films. That depresses the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. You should you would really enjoy JT Petty's Sandman documentary. It's S Yeah, I wanted to ask then, you about this because you mentioned this Anne. on Facebook the other day. So what is this documentary about? This documentary is about and does actually feature uh interviews from the people that make these sort of films. And I think the reason that it's called Sandman is because alongside August Underground there's a series of films like these called Sandman, but it's it's not S-A-N-D-M-A-N, it's S-A-N-D-M-A-N. 
All right. So right. it's like S and M and Aye. kind of thing. But these films are meant to be about like a serial killer that he'll stalk a woman and then he will just kind of molest her a bit and kill her. Uh-huh. And these are brought out like by episodes. And at the point that the Sandman documentary was released, they were up to like episode 13. But the interesting thing that I took away from that documentary is that the guy that made August Underground speaks in it about how it's them showing their more extreme sides and stuff. You know, and it's quite easy to to fake all of the scenes that they've they've got there. You just say to people, you know, oh, we're going to film a thing, and they go, yeah, that's fine, and you you film a bunch of shit, and that becomes five minutes, and this like, like as you were saying with the the girls at the end. Although I have to say, wasn't the the brunette kind of nice? She seemed like she stayed away from them. <laughs> Uh, you know, she seemed like she avoided the guys. That makes her seem nice in this film. <laughs> but the the whole genre just seems to to be basically people just showing off. And it's it's for like there's a a guy in the Sandman documentary called Billzy Bob, who says that he he basically <laughs> makes his films. Yeah, Bill Z. Bub. He seems oh, like a, he seems so like clever. A, he seems like a right fucking arsehole as well. I want to punch <laughs> him as well. But he says that he he makes the films for basically for perverts. You know, he doesn't care about you know making it a good film or anything because the fact is, what they make is a subgenre of filmmaking. And people do go onto their websites and pay them a lot of money for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it also does feature some behind-the-scenes footage of a Bill's the Bub shoot where you can actually see the the model's not having to do much. You're just having to lie there. Whilst there's a lot of candles set up round about her and then they're all lit. And she's in tears. Yeah. Just based on the the treatment that she receives during this film. I mean, like the guy that made August Underground said the in the third one, which is Mordom, his girlfriend is one of the actresses in it, and they plan all the stuff out beforehand, and then they film it so that it looks as brutal as anything. But the guy that makes the Sandman series. You know, in the documentary, like thirteen episodes in, he says he's he's no longer in contact with any of the women that have been involved in the filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that sort of filmmaking. It's like it's pathetic in a way. You know, yeah. I don't want to because I can see that maybe once in a while a film out of such a genre could actually have something to say and maybe do something in a smart way. You know, like like Cannibal Holocaust actually yeah. being an example of how the found footage stuff could work. But for this, you know, I, I think 
the fact that the the people who are on the ground <laughs> aren't actually still behind the product. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it it just seems like no, this is this is something that only has validity for the people that made it or the people who actually have fooled themselves into thinking that it's enjoyment. Because, I mean, the fact is this is the sort of film where you watch it and you think, well, it's all completely fake. Yeah. But you're, you are kind of having to remind yourself of that. So it makes you wonder about like people who actually think that this film is better than other films, then seriously, how how far do they want filmmaking to go? Mm-hmm. It's slightly disturbing when you think about it. It's just like, oh, well, the, the pseudo-rape in these films wasn't good enough for me. <laughs> you know, this is... It's a, yeah, there's, it's there's hor- it's kind of horrible. An element of that, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I just, it's kind of like you say. I mean, if you're going to make a film like this, well, then shock the fuck out me with it. Do you know what I mean? And and that to me is what like Poughkeepsie did. Whereas this was just a shit attempt to do that that just fucking failed and didn't manage it. And you know, I mean, Duncan, what did you think of it? You you. This was your first viewing of this as well. What did you fucking make of this shit? Um, kind of, you guys have pretty much summed up everything that I want to say. I, there's, there's, I'm just depressed by how bad it is. I mean, that's that. I, I mean, it's it's obviously this this film has the thing about it is podcasts like this. Even though we are kind of giving negative comments on it. Are only advertising this film, yeah. and I, I, I that that depresses me. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand what the mission was making this movie because, and in fact, I would be surprised if there was a mission because it doesn't, it doesn't achieve any way in terms of storytelling. I don't think I think the the fact and Gil hits the nail right in the head. The fact that they have to degrade the visual image here is just to cover the fact that the effects aren't all that good. I don't think uh, other than and we said it before the the very first sequence where you see the woman tied up and her nipples cut off, or you know it's not really cut off. It's as uh, you know it's it's filmed to show that her nipples been cut off. And when I saw that, I thought. Fucking hell! Right, we're go- we're gonna get something here, yeah. and it was the film is just an exercise in trying to get women naked, juvenile sense of humour all the way right through it. It is honestly, it is it's a load of fucking <laughs> sort of attitudes all the way right through it. I don't think it, it works on the premise of trying to scare or shock me because, and that's not because I'm desensitised to violence because I watch horror films. That that's not the point. I just didn't believe at any point anything that was happening in this movie was even remotely close to being real. Yeah. I thought the the characters, the two central characters. I love the fact that you know this is that's supposed to be you know the most accurate portraying of what serial killers are like. Fuck off, right? Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I read a lot. I've watched. I, you know, I've watched hundreds of serial killer documentaries. I've read so many books on the psychology and uh, psychopathology of serial killers. And, that you know, this doesn't even come close to the mark. Listen, um, Dexter but, is closer you know, 
to the reality of fucking serial killers than this thing was. Yeah, I mean, it really just, it just all, it, all it does is highlight to me that these these two people wanted to make a film, but they don't have the they don't have the mental capacity to really bring a narrative to the screen. It doesn't. It's just like you say, Baz. It's just a series of events which are fucking boring as fuck man yeah. honestly this film is how is a 70 70 minute film boring it shouldn't be you know how does it send you to sleep multiple times mm-hmm. yeah it sh- you know there's no way something which has the statement that you know this film is going to terrify you it's shocking and it's graphic and all the rest I, I, honestly and I'm Oh man, the the thing that and I know we've mentioned the Poughkeepsie a couple of times, and I reckon that people should go back. I've not heard a discussion on it. They should check it out. And Gil and Roscoe both talked about Poughkeepsie's as well on your found footage episode. That yeah, uh, Roscoe has actually. I, I don't know if it was actually as part of any episode, but he has now completely changed his view on. Poughkeepsie. Yeah, yeah. I think so I think he initially I, I, viewed it as being a horrible. Piece of that's right i remember with, that with, yeah, yeah. Ab- with absolutely no merit and now yeah. looking back on it he can see that it actually does and you know the the fact is that the it not being released yeah that, that's that's another one of those things like we were talking about earlier on with well who's going to go and see a film during the summer you know yes this film's yeah, been about yeah. for so long that that making people go out and seek copies of it is actually better for the careers of the people that made the film. Yeah, It creates a cult around it. Yeah. You know, this film, was, nobody's even fucking released this. It must be fucking mental. Let's try and track it down kind of thing. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. does, yeah. I mean, Poughkeepsie, what Poughkeepsie does very well, what this film fails to do is that, and Poughkeepsie, I mean, it, it's a similar premise. It's basically a, a selection of film footage, for, uh, you know, videotapes, depicting the the acts of a serial killer, right? But what it does is it works on the premise of introducing how this serial killer comes from doing one thing to finding exactly what his, his niche is that he gets off on and focuses on that. And it does it through building terror and building suspense and building atmosphere all the way right through that film and it does it very 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 well this film doesn't do any of that it's the serial killer in poughkeepsie is clever he's intelligent he plays games with authorities but he's very much aware of leaving evidence and all the rest it's exactly what baz said that the the attack a guy in a, a shop which has cctv cameras by the way it's you know, yeah. I, I will have. Um, they're, they're not appeared to be worried about that. They drive away from the police who clearly have seen their, regist- their registration plate, but, you know, we don't get anything else on that. They continue doing all these things um, throughout the film with, you know, with this kind of juvenile... I mean, I mean, the, there is no character development here because the characters are completely one-dimensional. Yeah. That's the problem. You can't develop... You can't develop a one-dimensional di- one character, and that's that, that's why this film doesn't even begin to try and do it. And unfortunately, that's where it doesn't. There's there is no sense of dread in here at all. Even the not in the slightest. The, the, not in the yeah, slightest. the woman. The the classic example is the woman in the back of the car in Poughkeepsie, where he's um, where he picks up the hitchhiker. Uh-huh. And yeah, yeah, he's driving, and he he starts speaking to her, and 
you know, it's a, a similar conversation where he's, you know, kind of they're having a conversation and it just takes a sinister turn, right? And the, the the thing about that film is he says to her, he's like that, you know, if you allow me to rape you, I won't kill you. You know what I mean? That's what he says, and then yeah. she agrees to that. So she puts into she puts into her mindset, "I am going to be raped," which is horrific, but at least I'll survive. And then he turns around to her and says, "You know, well, we both know this isn't going to end well for you. That is terrifying." Uh-huh. And this sequence, we get, "Oh, give you twenty twenty dollars if you show your tits. Oh, I'll give you twenty dollars if you show me your crotch. Right, see if you can get a blowjob. I'll give you a drive." And then fake punches and some fake blood. Fuck off! For, yeah. Honestly, fuck off. This film is honestly. I, I'm not going to watch the other two. I've got the other two. I'm not going to watch them, and I'll never return to this film again ever in a million oh, years. Oh, I feel. Shit. I actually feel really, really upset that you've spent fourteen pounds getting a copy of this. Baz, uh, because I know. I know. Uh, and it's like fourteen films from Poundland. I know. Yeah, no, <laughs> I am going to buy you fourteen pounds films <laughs> from Poundland. It's my weird OCD completest thing. I have to fucking have it as part of my collection, but it's it's dreadful. I'll never watch it again, and not in the same way that I won't watch Cannibal Holocaust. For all that I fucking hated that film. For all that I hated that film. I hated it because of the impact it had on me. I was disgusted by it. This film's just, it's genuinely just not worth watching. And, and please, for anybody that's listening to this, Please don't waste your fucking time going out and watching this. Just listen to what all three of us are saying and fucking avoid it like the plague. And I would love to hear the fucking reasoning behind the people that bummed this film up as to being, you know, this extreme version of the genre. I would love to fucking hear how anybody can justify this film because it's just pish. What's the rest of the genre? Fucking Fireman Sam episodes? Pretty much, this is, pretty this much. Is, this is not an extreme anything. And the no, thing that really works for Poughkeepsie is the Poughkeepsie is all in hindsight. Yes. Because yes. it's, it's, it's the tapes have been discovered That's and right. they're trying to they're try to figure out, you know, what sort of person would do this. But, you know, you have the unravelling of the psyche through, well, we have the footage from the stuff they did that shows that they went from this to this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and exactly. you do, you don't have any of that in August Underground. Yeah. All you have is just like a fat cunt being a cunt. I know. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm just laughing. I'm looking at some of my tweets from earlier on. I've uh, I've written things like, uh, you know, Basby Horror T minus thirty minutes. People, brace yourselves. It's going to be a rough one. Mm-hmm. Um, quite nervous about this one. Similarities to Poughkeepsie tapes has got me worried. Here we go, wish me luck. And then the first one when I was actually watching it was Jesus. They don't hang around, do they? Straight into it from the word go. And yeah. then from then on, it's just, you know, fucking 25 minutes in, I've realised this film's utter shit to the point of boring. <laughs> um, no attempt at a story. You know, not sure the point of that scene. In my notes, I've just written shite, shite scene in a shop. Says it all, really. Uh, yeah. It's just fucking dreadful, this film. I'm kind of bummed out we've talked about it for so long, to be honest. It doesn't, Aye, it doesn't deserve this level of attention. You know we've I mean? almost talked about it. Our conversations is almost as long as the film, but far yes. more interesting. Absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, right, well, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to wrap yeah. this up. <laughs> right, so I'd, Yeah. <laughs> right, Baz, I've got to ask you, and I, I know what the answer is, but 
And I didn't even have the enthusiasm I usually do, right? And this in this episode of Baz V Horror, who won? Baz won. Baz won. Baz won. Baz won. Shite. Uh, it doesn't even but, deserve to be counted in with the other films in Baz V Horror. To be quite honest, I'm, I'm almost I'm almost tempted to discount it, but we've Null got to stick point. true to. We've got to stick true to what yeah, we've done, and yep. yeah, we'll just we'll consider this one a a, a blip on the road, right? So, yeah. um, the next Baz V Horror, um. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go I'm going to go back to the Facebook page and then after yeah. that we're going to do a special uh, podcasters um, choice. So we'll yeah. pick a podcast and get them to select a film that they think yeah. will scare the shit out of you, yeah. and then we'll we'll get that person from that podcast to come on and justify their their choice. Um, so uh, right, we're going to jump out just now. Uh, when we come back, we are going to wrap up the show and we're going to be right back after this. <laughs> Hey kids, do you like horror movies? Do you like podcasts? Do you like people called Gal and Roscoe? If you do, you're going to love Gal Gal and and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast! Every week, you'll join your hosts Gal and Roscoe, who'll discuss a range of topics, including juice drinks, alcoholic drinks, lollipops, bobby socks, Robocop, uncomfortable chairs, Comfortable chairs. It seems absolutely nothing like our podcast. Um, well, it, it should be a representation of our podcast, so we should start off with the pure cheesy intro and then just uh-huh. be like, actually, no, that, that sounds way too upbeat for us. Yeah. <laughs> we could have some dead classy music in the background and people would think we're really high class gentlemen. We are high class gentlemen. That's just not what our podcast sounds like. Right. So that's Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. Look for us on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. You're listening to the podcast under the stairs. And welcome back. And you've been listening to the podcast under the stairs, episode number twenty-six, which featured our Baz V Horror episode number eight. Baz takes on found footage and August Underground. So the current score is now. Well, Baz is looking healthy again. He's got a two-point lead. Yep. Uh, Baz, Baz is up to five, so it's five over three. Um, I would like to first thank our very special guest for coming on the show, Mr. Rokitansky. How uh, how did you enjoy that episode, Gil? I really enjoyed it. I think it's a shame that you weren't recording the discussion we had about it before we even started. Because <laughs> yeah, I think some of that off. would have gone really, really well in there. I, I will know the next time. Next Always time record. That, Always hit record at the start before we even start speaking. But um, yeah, thanks very, thanks very much for coming on and uh, chatting the film and just just having a bit of a, a bit of a laugh with us. It's, it's good for for uh, from my point of view to finally see Baz and Gil chatting. Indeed. In a capacity where there's actually voices and not text. Uh, it has <laughs> been a pleasure to, because I think that when I read messages from Baz, I just read them in his voice. <laughs> when I read yours, I just picture you saying I'm naked, Gil. Well, that's all right because it's usually true. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the the next Baz V Horror, um, like I said, we'll go back to the Facebook page. I will pick a subgenre and shove it out, and we'll see how mean our listeners are. I, I reckon that 
if, if any of our listeners have managed to make through our, our, our full discussion on August Underground, they'll probably be looking for some vengeance on the on the part of horror. Yeah. Um, so it could be another rough one for you, Baz. Um, but um, what's the coming goodies. up? <laughs> yeah, the goodies. <laughs> hey, you guys. Um, so what's coming up on the podcast Under the Stairs? Um, well, uh, if you've got a chance to check out the, the really interesting interview we had with Graham Humphreys, the, the artist, um, you'll be happy to know that we'll be likely doing one of them again with the man probably in the next two months where we'll be talking more about his, his specific work that he did in the 1980s, specifically what he did on um, terms of advertising campaigns for the Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2, which I'm really looking forward to. Um Next week's episode, you will probably be getting two podcasts, because I just like spoiling you. One of them will be uh, the return of Mr. Graham Humphrey, not Humphrey's artist, Humphrey as in former co-host on this show, where we discuss uh, Godzilla and basically what Graham's been up to since he left the show. Um, the second one will be a special roundtable conversation with four different horror podcasters, where we are going to be discussing the topic of horror remakes, reboots, the good, the bad, and the necessary. Um, and that is going to kick off 10 weeks of, of horror remake shows. We're going to be doing the top 10 best and top 10 worst. I will definitely be getting Mr. Rokitansky back in, back on on one of those shows. The thing! To, I the knew you thing. were going to... I think, ev- I think everyone's claiming the thing, so what I might do with the thing is I think we might actually do another roundtable discussion where I get... A, you know, maybe... Four or five, a maniac will definitely be in there. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll get you on for maniac. That'd be really good. But um, on the thing, there'll be a roundtable discussion for sure. Um, as you can imagine, that's probably going to be quite high up on the list. I can't tell you exactly Number where. One. I, I would, I would, yeah, I would, I would say so. But I don't want to spoil it for the listeners, even it's though the, the listeners are the shouting at shouting at their. <laughs> that's pretty much right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Gil will be back on for that for sure. Um, so yeah, that's what's coming up over the next wee while. Uh, what's coming up on the Bodacious Horror Podcast, Gil? Uh, we are uh, continuing with our reviews of the Universal Monsters Blu-ray box set, which uh, we're including the bonus features as mm-hmm. a review part of, which is actually pretty good because we're up to the Wolfman now, which has a bunch of really, really good documentaries about how werewolf mythology is basically all taken from the Wolfman. Uh-huh. You know, the the actual film The Wolfman introduced so many of the things about werewolves that we now just take for granted that is unbelievable. Uh-huh. And at the same time, it was also uh, a bit of a, an analogy for Hitler's Germany. Oh, it was uh, released in 1940, uh-huh. and the screenplay was written by uh, a Jewish man who had actually fled Germany and spent several years on the run by that point. So uh, if you if you look at when a werewolf sees who its uh, next victim is going to be, it sees a star on their hand. Yeah, you know, right. like the Jewish star, stuff, the Star yeah. David thing, and everything. There, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting, and uh, we will have a some sort of mystery guest for that 
I can't think of any films that are coming out at the moment that have anything to do with werewolves that that people might be interested <laughs> in. But uh, I think that we will be talking to a writer and director of some sort of werewolf film. You're you're being you're being very 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 mysterious, but uh, in very a way, mysterious. obviously, yeah, yeah very not, mysterious, kind of obvious, but very mysterious. It's not like the person has been on the show before. <laughs> you how many how many are after the Wolfman? Just out of curiosity, because I've got the box it's set and that. Uh, well, uh, no, sorry, there's five uh, Wolfman films, but I think the Wolfman is number six. So I think yeah. we we have oh god we've got Phantom. You have the creature still to do as well. Yeah, creature, yeah. creature and Phantom. Cool, cool. So, so we've got a good episode to go and a bad episode to go. <laughs> yeah, and we'll we'll leave that we'll leave that out to the listeners to decide what's what. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, so everyone should be checking that out. How can they find you on the the interwebs? They can find us on bodacioushorror.co.uk and at some point in the next few days our uh, Bride of Frankenstein episode will be released. So Looking forward to that. I love that movie. I absolutely love that movie. So The Bride of Frankenstein episode I think was a lot of fun to do. Because <laughs> we also what? covered of, uh, Gods and Monsters which was a doc- well, not a documentary. It was a biopic about, yeah. about James Will because of course Bride of Frankenstein was the last Universal Monsters movie that he made yeah yeah, he, yeah that's right he, yeah. Made, he made Frankenstein and Dracula fantastic fantastic so people should be going to check that out and going over checking out the website um, Baz Duncan yeah so Baz um, we, <laughs> we, <laughs> we Baz. have a we're just gonna keep throwing, just throwing back to Baz. Yeah, we we have a an interesting thing that's still kind of secret, which involves grave encounters coming up. So we'll yep. be posting that very soon on the Facebook page, uh, and people should be checking out that Twitter feed of yours for Baz V Horror. What's that Twitter feed? Uh, at Punk Baz is my account. Feel free to follow on. That's at Punk Baz, uh, and also hashtag Baz V Horror, all one word. Uh, is the hashtag I use when I am watching the movies. So you can follow the stuff directly to do with the, the show on that. And hashtag cool. I love Bob Mould for when you're not watching movies. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> just my co- That's what I wear on my sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, so we're going to wrap this podcast up. As usual, uh, I usually give it some shout-outs to podcasts. Obviously, check out Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. I've told you before, those guys basically started me off on the Road of Horror podcasting, and I will always be eternally grateful to them. They're great guys. Um, should we it's check out another show? Fault, <laughs> it's all your <laughs> fault. <laughs> we didn't know uh, that we were launching into the world when we first just <laughs> listened to our podcast, but it seems to have been going okay. And well, now we're, we're frightfully proud. <laughs> uh, you should be checking out the shows on the League of Extraordinary Podcast, Devour the Podcast, Grave Shift Radio, and the stuff Gary Hill puts out at Cinema Beef Sausage Fest. He's recently started up a new one uh, called The Bird and the Beard, which I've started to check out. That could be quite fun. I um, made the posters for that. Did you? I quite like the poster. Yeah, I made the, the wee posters for that. Um, the guys at the Midnight Horror Show as well. Um, 
I think we've got an interesting show coming up um, this week where we're going to be speaking to another artist who designs um, artwork for, for Blu-ray releases, specifically for Shout Factory, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and check out the stuff over at Horophilia as well, Skeleton Crew, um, my bloody podcast, Banana Laser, Um so yeah plenty for you to listen to so all that remains for me to say is uh, can I get my guests to say goodbye to the listeners Baz would you like to say goodbye to the listeners uh, of course I would uh, look forward to speaking to you all soon check out all the other various podcasts Duncan's mentioned and I will see you all soon ta-ta and Gil would you like to say goodbye to our listeners okay goodbye Aaron Abraham <laughs> Alexander Do we have to go through them all alphabetically? Just, you could just uh, say goodbye to them collectively. Good goodbye, uh Zena. And that's <laughs> all the listeners. <laughs> and all that remains is for myself to say uh, goodbye to you all. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. As always, you can come across to the Facebook page if you're not on already go to facebook type in the top search bar podcast under the stairs come across to the group and um we will accept you with open arms uh we can't guarantee we won't ridicule you later on but that's you know that's a disclaimer um and uh yeah and if you get a chance maybe leave us an itunes rating we've got a couple up there they've been very nice thus far but we always appreciate more until the next time i speak to you guys we'll take care of yourself and uh bye everyone see ya Bye, baby dolls. Singing songs from the balcony